Yo, this is Kieran Fort getting our shit together, and I'm delighted to be joined by Malcolm Bell of the Elevate, sorry, Elevate Dating Blueprint. Thank you for being with us, Malcolm. Yeah, thanks, Kieran, for having me. I really appreciate your podcast, and I appreciate you having me on. Not at all, not at all. So Malcolm Bell, that's, I mean, that kind of is a little bit, um, sounds like you work in a bank or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's funny, here in Canada, where I'm from, Bell is a telecommunications company. So it's oh, all well, cell phones. Yeah. It's, nice. uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, so you're a dating coach. And importantly, you've got Elevate Dating Blueprint, um, which is your brand. I, really interesting website, which I encourage people to check out. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today, because I think your offering is something that's a little bit different. You share some values with mm-hmm. me. Um, but maybe you could just give us a little bit of a background about yourself and what you're doing first. Yeah, no problem. So um, I, uh, we were speaking a little bit before the podcast. Um, I come out of the software background. Um, I've done that for a while. I got into marketing um, and I've really enjoyed my career in both of those areas. But uh, something always really spoke to me because um, throughout my history, I have always gravitated towards social dynamics. Um, you and I were speaking before as well about uh, every man's gateway pill to the pickup artist world is like... The Game by Neil Strauss, right? Um, Everyone who's our age. I'm actually, you, you might be, I don't know if you're younger than me, but... I'm 30. Right, yeah, I'm, th- yeah, I'm 32, so we're, we're dating ourselves a little bit with that one. Yeah, so, but hey, it's the same, it's the same world, man. Yeah. And it was wild. That was sort of a gateway drug, and it always stuck like a splinter in my brain. Um, I've been interested in psychology. Um, I considered becoming a clinical psychologist for a little while. A very close friend of mine, he uh, is doing his PhD in clinical psychology right now. And all of the cases, all of the ideas are fascinating for me to listen to. Um, But I've never been an academic. And so I didn't like school. I really struggled in university to, uh, you know, maintain my grades and stuff like this. So um, it's to me, interest drives my activity heavily. Mm -hmm. And so uh, being involved in socializing and dating, things like this, that was something that came very naturally to me. And so, you know, I can just get right into the trenches without having to do you know, eight or 10 years plus a residency or whatever to do, uh, to become a psychologist. So, um, although I've read all, a lot of the literature and I love reading psychology books, I love reading all sorts of things like that. To me, this was something that I've really enjoyed very deeply because it's something that I can just get right in with men right in the trenches. And you can do that as a psychologist as well, but not so much from like a dating and relationship perspective. It's more from like a trauma and, uh, you know, past issues perspective. Yeah, which is fascinating in its own way. And uh, and like you, I, I had similar sort of aspirations at, at one point. Um, and again, I, I, I'm not massively academic minded. I, I went to university yeah. as an undergraduate. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, parts of it I'm not massively induced by. But um, but like you, I think the, the general psychological principles behind things are fascinating. Yeah. Well, uh, it's it's the human experience. It's the human condition. It's It's how we are as people. And it's fascinating to learn about ourselves. But it's also fascinating to learn about other people. And I think that I struggled at a younger age um, to understand why sometimes people took certain actions. Um, And not that I was autistic, but that when someone would hurt me uh, or I would be rejected or I would be insulted or something like this, I often would take it very personally. Um, I'm a very naturally, I think I'm a very generous and caring person. And so when someone would hurt me, like if a girlfriend would break up with me or something like this, I would take it very personally. And so as a result, I, I started to find the ability to explain uh, explanatory power applied to other people's actions can help lessen the sting of their actions sometimes. Um, one of the ways that, that that's really helped me in my life is in the 1960s, there was a guy named Marshall Rosenberg. Okay. He created a framework called nonviolent communication. And uh, he spoke about the idea of um, behind every no, behind every criticism, behind every insult, rejection. When we look at those things, we are making a moralistic judgment of another person's behavior. You know, like if, if uh, my wife or girlfriend says no to me, well, I can hear, I can turn that focus in on myself and I can say, well, why did she say no to me? Well, it's because she hates me and, and we're having tension and problems and it's about me, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. Or you can start to hear the unmet needs that she has of maybe, for example, she has a need for physical closeness that hasn't been met in quite a while. And now as a result, she's feeling disconnected from you, right? And once you can reach out to her and empathize with her needs and her feelings, it takes the rejection out. And instead, you just have tenderness towards what her need is. And so that was just an example of like, as a psychologist, um, Marshall Rosenberg really equipped me at a very young age with the ability to start to lessen the punches, like the, uh, like the teeth. It takes the teeth off of my own mind reinterpreting other people's actions or behaviors as malicious. When you can explain it, then it's it's less bad. It's it's I guess it works yeah. both ways as well. I mean, I think me and you both get a kick out of like social dynamics and like yeah. what's going. On. And it's like, why does something work as well? You want to know that? Yes. Like, why is something yes. negative? Why is something positive? Why? And it's like a great footballer would enjoy a football match even more because he's like, what? Well, like, exactly. Oh, that kick! Like, you yeah. know dynamics behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was a great podcast I remember we're listening to years ago with Jordan Peterson on the Joe Rogan experience. Nice. Um, yeah, and a Joe lot of people Peterson, listen yes. to that. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. He uh, and I've been to see him live and there's areas I agree with him. There's areas I disagree with him. Yeah. But um, one of the things that really stood out to me um, very early on from his uh, very first podcast, and I remember I was listening to it uh, in like a minibus driving from Sian Rip to Phnom Penh in Cambodia. First Joe Rogan, Peterson podcast. Yeah, the very first Joe Rogan with Jordan Peterson. And he said um, something that really stuck with me for a long time, which was, you can be burned by fire. Um, and when you become burned by fire, you have two options. One, you can shrink away, recoil, and never use fire ever again. Or you can learn about fire, and you can become a master of fire. And there's the potential for creation of value. There's the potential for helping others, using fire as a tool. It mm -hmm. opens up opportunities. And so when we're hurt by things or when we um, are burned by things in life, we have always two choices to recede like a hermit crab back into our shell or to create what I call, and this is something we get into in the Elevate Dating Blueprint is this, the limiting mind versus the expanding mind. Yeah. And it's an important just, uh, juxtaposition of, um, you know, am I a victim? Am I receding back in? Is life out to get me? Am I being attacked? Or... In that moment when our brain wants to like pull a mental handbrake and recede, um, do you then instead push out into the world, right? And yeah. it's difficult for people sometimes, especially um, you'll know, if, uh, if there's anyone listening, you can kind of close your eyes for a second and think about um, like a difficult situation in your life that was very in a moment stressful. Um, maybe uh, you were walking out in traffic and a car made a squealing tire noise right near you. Mm. And you're going to get this feeling where your amygdala on the back of your head actually comes over your face. Um, and that's your fight or flight response. And it's where your amygdala, which is your uh, fast thinking brain to reference thinking fast and slow, um, yeah. a great book is it comes over your head to defend you because you need to be able to make that snap judgment and not go, Hmm, is this car on a trajectory that would kill me? Yeah, I yeah. think I'll show move out of the way while well, you're dead. So, but it's interesting. That's actually like an archetypal picture. If you look at like the movie transformers, for example, bumblebee whenever he's in his attack mode he has a shield that comes from the back of his head over the front of his face and he gets into a fighting position oh wow right? yeah yeah um and that's sort of a choice that we always have because the problem is is that the fast thinking amygdala could detect a threat which is not actually a threat what happens when you detect your girlfriend or your wife or or a woman that you approached on the street as a threat they're not actually a threat because you don't you're not properly detecting right? But for some men that I work with, they have a very overactive amygdala, which is coming over their face way too fast and way too often. Yeah, And I so know. that ability to pull that mask back up and to reveal your face and to think and be present with people is very, very important. You're right. And sorry for nearly jumping in there on an important point, but that's... No, it's good. No, but what I was thinking was, um, so that's obviously your amygdala just like basically demanding your brain to be like we're going in because it's fight or flight right and it's yes. saying we're going into flight or maybe just hide maybe it's like yeah. run away it's just like small yeah. little hide right yeah and um and obviously there's going to be some situations where you want to just get out of there i mean if you're walking in the street and you hear like automatic gunfire and yeah. maybe like <laughs> a spurt of blood and you're unarmed yeah. you need to leave you must yes. move 
but there might, but like I, um, I think that's like part of becoming a man is being like, well, actually, in certain situations, I need to tweak that flight into a fight response. And yes. now I don't need to then go and have a fight, but I need to be prepared to have a fight. And just going back yes. to just what I was thinking of when you were talking about Jordan Peterson, um, yeah. he's talking about that. Sorry, sometimes he talks about um, the a good man isn't a man who is not dangerous. So a, a good man is actually dangerous. A man who's not mm-hmm. dangerous isn't good. It's it's meek, right? And I, I yeah. think we, we, we're sort of getting at the same thing. It's the same underlying principle here. It's like yeah. so what I want to ask you is. So let's say a lot of the times you're dealing with guys who are a little bit, um, how do we put it? Like not, not less masculine, but they're less broady. They're less like likely to get into the fight. They're more academic. They're more engineering yeah. types maybe. How yeah. would you try and get their flight response into a fight response? Or even not necessarily fight, but just a prepare to fight, will fight if they have to, but actually kind of, yeah. kind of man up and, and improve the situation, whatever it is. That's a good question. Um, I think that honestly, meditation plays a huge component. Um, part of it is to empower and, and to strengthen your prefrontal cortex through meditation, because that's the, that's the slow thinking part of your forebrain. Um, and that is the part of your brain that can analyze a situation and actually decide what is the best course of action. So let's say, for example, you're in a bar fight and uh, you didn't do anything wrong. It's just a situation. Someone's belligerently drunk and they wanted to fight you. Yeah. Um, the fight or the flight response isn't one or the other is not necessarily better there. Um, it's all going to depend on the context of the situation. And that's why I think it's important that that sort of older back brain, uh, that reptilian brain doesn't need to come forward in that situation. Um, it needs to come forward in a situation where there's a piano falling from three stories above your head and you need to move now. Yeah. Um, things where like, like player versus environment sort of, that's where I think that the, the amygdala is valuable, but I think that the prefrontal cortex is much more useful in, I'm sure I could think of exceptions, but in every social situation, the thinking rational brain is much, much better, um, at those situations, at least until, um, the guys can, uh, and this is where you get into um, the the consciousness of knowledge and and what you should do versus the corresponding increase of being. And this is a concept that's shared in a book called In Search of the Miraculous by P.D. Aspensky, probably one of the most esoteric but influential books in my life. Um, he talks about how if you have a person who has a lot of knowledge, for example, um, but not a lot of being or essence. The person with knowledge is like a professor at a university. They know nuclear physics through and through, but they forget their umbrella everywhere. They're bumbling. They trip and fall. Their shoelaces are undone. They have terrible style. They have a lot of knowledge, but they don't have a lot of being. The, the image of the reverse is a person like a, a farmer, uh, like a Russian Kulak farmer who uh, doesn't have a lot of knowledge. Um, they don't know, understand what a stock market is. They've never heard of an elevator. They don't know what um, 13 different ways that French restaurants cook lobster. Yeah. Um, those are not the knowledges that they have. However, if you were to speak to that person, you would sense a very grounded, earthy, um, you would connect with them. You would feel like you're being seen and that you're being known because the person has a lot of being. Um, they've been working their whole lives. They have people that rely on them. They have social connections. They're very healthy. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's sort of the increase in being. And what I talk about with a lot of guys is um, I'm trying to find the guys who have a lot of the guys I work with are too much knowledge and not enough being. And so we need to balance those things out. We need to bring that more into alignment. And so in the, in, to answer your question about the fight or flight, um, I want to give that sort of background explanation because the fight or flight often they choose flight because they don't have enough being. They're not um, they're not taking up space in reality. And I think that to even exist in the world is to necessarily make a claim on reality. Um, like you're literally because you exist, you're claiming these carbon molecules are mine. You know this these oxygen is mine. You know, you are by existing at all, you're making a claim on reality and you're saying, this is mine. 
it's not yours. Right. Yeah. But a lot of these guys, they sort of say to themselves, um, I want to surrender everything that I can, because if I can be small and if I can be, uh, you know, hunched over, I'm not a threat, then maybe I'll just get away with my carbon molecules and, and be able to leave the situation. Yeah. But I think as people become more confident, they become more okay staking claims on reality. They also become more okay fighting for what they want. And I'm not saying it's always physical fighting, no. but even in a relationship, for example, with a woman, and, and I've had this, um, I've had the situation come up quite a few times where a girl will say to me like, well, maybe we should just break up. And it gives you the ability instead of taking flight and being like, Oh, well, uh, yeah. I'll break up with you first. <laughs> yeah. All the opposite. Actually... Please, please, please don't. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, then you can actually fight where you can say like, um, we are adults. We don't take flight at the first sign of problem. Let's obviously there's a problem here and I understand that. And I'm committed to this relationship. I want to work on it with you. I have nothing but pure love for you. So I want to, um, I want to care about you and I want to hear your heart and I want to hear what's alive in you. Tell me what your needs are. Tell me what you need, you know? And sometimes they can't even say it, but having the ability to fight in that situation and to say like, I don't back down from a challenge, even in a loving way, fighting, I think is, is very important to learn. It's very powerful. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just personally, how I would deal with that, if, if I was seeing a girl and she was like, I don't think we should see each other anymore, or or maybe a bit more serious, like my girlfriend now, or whatever else, um, you, and, and let's say she just says, yeah, I, I, I want to break up, or I don't want to see you anymore. I would firstly just be like, um, okay, no, I, that's okay. Like that, mm -hmm. sure, you, you're very welcome to do that if you like, right? And then yeah. I would give like the explanation, just be like, I... I think if we're doing, a, if, let's say I want to keep the relationship going, I'd just give a sort of not massively impassioned speech, but just quite a logical yes. one, which is just like, oh, I'm still enjoying this. But I think that it's just that, that very quick sort of like um, uh, acquiescing, but in, but in a good way to her. Like, it's like, like you're saying about needs, right? It's like, she has this potential need, which is to stop seeing yes. people, right? So if you, as long, if you give that light and you're just like, that's absolutely fine, though. There's no coercion here. You're you're welcome to go. But but just before you do, why don't we just have a quick chat about this and that? And I personally, I found that to be quite a strong way of doing. But uh, and I'm well, it's also too that um, this is another thing I encourage all men to do: um, conduct exit interviews. When you leave a date with a girl, or if a girl isn't interested in talking to you anymore, and she says, "Hey, I didn't really feel a spark. Like, can I talk to someone? I'm gonna you know see other people, or I'm not really feeling it right now." Um, not from the perspective that you're trying to convince her to stay, yeah. but from the perspective that, and, and if you're listening to this, like write this down, you can say something like this. You can say, um, I appreciate that you um, are honest. I appreciate your honesty. Absolutely. And I really want to, um, I want to respect that. And this is not a, a demand. I'm not making demands here, but I want to make a request. Right. So you can say, you know, I, I appreciate your honesty. I want to make a request. And then three, you can say, was there anything in particular that stood out to you during our time together that sort of um, right now comes to you that you would say that is something that I wish Malcolm would improve? And I, you will get the most um, brutally honest yeah. uh, but constructive feedback. And it takes a bit to hear it. Um, but to digest that, my gosh, um, I've gotten some of the best advice in my life from girls who weren't interested in me. Um, and I've had guys that I've worked with who have utilized this and, and people think like, oh man, that's so, you know, weird and like robotic to say that to somebody. And it's like, no, it's, it's a commitment to your own personal growth. Um, and if someone is willing to, to, to take action and step away from you in life, they've got a legitimate grievance, you know, yeah, it's not yeah. just like, and maybe it's just, eh, I didn't really like you. Eh, there was no spark. Right. Well, digest that, hear what that says, you know, maybe they weren't having that much fun. Maybe there was no spontaneity, you know, hear the need or hear the, uh, the, hear that, hear them behind maybe sometimes a surface level answer, but, but try it out guys. I, yeah, I would say that's, that's excellent advice. Um, th there is a rare case of guys who are very, very good at that and very, very good at taking on criticism. And sometimes I want to say to them like, yeah, but remember your, your core. Is yes, that's good. true too. Like, yeah, it's like, you. as long as you're not hurting people, 
let's not yeah. throw all the baby out of the bathwater. Like, you're still a good bloke. I like exactly. you. All of exactly. Exactly. Um, it's so funny you're talking about exit interviews. Like, um, obviously, our, my channel is where it is at the moment, and we're, we're small, obviously, and we're growing. Um, and I make cheeky requests of people who have much larger channels. I mean, like yourself, yeah. for instance, but, like, but, but, but even maybe, um, <clears throat> like I was speaking, I, I got in contact with this author who writes for uh, a national paper over here, The Guardian. It's a very, it's quite really? a... Really? Yeah, but, and, and she, was, she was good enough to get back to me. I mean, my, uh, and, and fair play. And she declined to, to have an interview. And, and I was like, not surprised, which, and that was fair, fine and fair enough. And she, um, and I did exactly that. I said like, oh, uh, like, is it a money issue? Like, is there an amount of money? Because she was like, oh, I'm quite busy. Brilliant. Is there an amount of money that you do it for? Da, da, da. And she was like, I tell you what, it's not the money. Um, it's just our brands don't align. And like, really, like, like you're saying, like cold, hard truths, like very practical. Yes. And I was like, great. Thank you very much. Yeah. I mean, it's easier for, I'm, I'm talking about my brands, it's less personal. It's not as cutting to me, so it's easy to do for me. That's exactly right, Karen, because that's what you're talking about earlier is like, when you can hear the why behind the what, when you can um, hear their heart, all of a sudden it takes the sting off yeah. of like a rejection, right? Because it's easy to recede and be like, you know, that woman, she's such a blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but in reality, it's like, she has her own motivations, you yeah. know, and she has her own rationale that it has nothing to do with like attacking you or getting you or something like this. No. And it was really interesting because like, obviously ideologically she's not on the opposite side, but she's a uh, openly feminist, um, mm -hmm. like uh, sort of not, not anti-family, but like not like robust family values. Right. And, like, right. Like, and she's very left wing and she writes for the Guardian and did it. Yeah. And she couldn't have been nicer. She couldn't have been nicer with her time. Yeah. So that's just an interesting lesson for itself. As well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just cool. going back to that thing about, so just not that we'll get stuck on fighting for too long, but it's, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it is, there is something about this, like this ability to defend yourself. And it's like, I grew up like being, I really like being physical with my boys, little play fights since nursery, then middle school, high school, little fights, little headlocks. And then eventually you get to like your adolescence and it's like punching someone in the face is this big yeah, thing. Yeah. But it's so true, man. Like when you see guys that haven't ever had like a physical fight in their life, like and a real one, where like like there's stakes on the line right yeah you you can tell man and like they're nervous in social situations to a degree where someone who has gone through that isn't because the yeah. person who knows the person who's had the fight knows a where the line is obviously it, it moves mm -hmm. for, for different people but there's a general line and and it's just they're just like you say they're that, that professor who's all knowledge and no real world aptitude yes yeah. And it's just, and that's why I try and make this brand kind of holistic and um, like not in a woo-woo way, but in a sort of like, let's, let's bring everything together because nothing's yes. isolated. And yeah. part of that is learning to defend yourself. And it's like, I'm not Bruce Lee, but I can throw a punch and I, I can, I can, I'm like, I'm, I'll defend myself. To, to the yes, of course. Yeah. And it, yeah. I just thought, I just thought it's fascinating that, um, that that's such, like, I don't know, like I, there's loads of points with this, um, interceded yeah like, yeah just dating what well, is it and the word holistic is very appropriate because um it's everything in life i find is related to everything else yeah um your the things that are holding you back in some areas in life are often the, the same things that are holding you back in other areas mm -hmm. and i've discovered this uh actually maybe about four months ago, I would say I had some sort of traumatic experiences over the past, I would say year um, of really having to face myself. And, and I thought I'd gone through a lot of personal growth that would achieve me a certain result. And then that result didn't come. Um, but it, it was interesting because I was working in relationship area, but I realized that the things that was holding me back in business or my relationships with my family or with my friends, it was actually all the same issue. Right. And once I started to see very clearly how much uh, my image of myself and my inability, my defensiveness, basically my own defensiveness, um, once I was able to break through that and my need for perfection, my need for everything to be, you know, so set up and so perfect. Um, yeah. I was able to sort of let, let things lie almost. And 
let things go. And once you can start to open your hand and relax your grip on life, things flow. You know, I've said this yeah. to a lot of the guys I work with is when you clutch life so tightly, um, it cuts you. Yeah. But when you open your hand and you let it flow, it's, it's just, it's easy. It's very easy, yeah. but it is very frightening to open your hand to, to come out of your hermit shell. You know, those sorts of things are terrifying for a lot of guys um, because they, a lot of it is related. And um, I believe it's Glover wrote a book called no more Mr. Nice guy. And one of the things he talks about in there um, that has really, really resonated with me was there's a younger version of Malcolm out there. And he, uh, I keep him alive in my mind from a point, a snapshot in time where he was offended or he was hurt or rejected. Yeah. And I, at that time, as you know, nine-year-old Malcolm, I said, I'll never be hurt again in that way. But 30-year-old Malcolm can't be hurt in that way. I'm a rational adult. I make money. I, you know, <laughs> I don't have to worry about someone making fun of me or bullying me in a playground. I don't even go to school anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But still being afraid and still um, living in a reactionary sense to uh, an event that happened when we were nine or 10 and the systems and the strategies that we developed based on that don't serve us when we're older. And so a lot of the systems that I had created, I had never looked at. I had sort of said like, yeah, I am who I am. You know, um, I had uh, for a long time, I had armored myself with a very sort of selfish outlook. Um, and then I tried to dress it up with, oh, but I'm like the bad boy. I'm cool. I act aloof. You know, I have motorcycles and a vintage car that I race around in. And, you know, I race motorcycles and that's cool, you know. But all of these things were in a lot of ways to dress up what was fundamentally I viewed as a rotten core of this sort of selfishness. I can't take from other people. And because of my need for reciprocity, then I can't give to other people. Yeah. Um, and because I can't, the reason why I couldn't take from them, I started to realize was because I had no ability. I was still using a system that I created when I was like nine or 10 years old, which was, I have no filter for taking the good and leaving the bad. I take everything that people say to me as a de facto statement of truth. Right. Right, 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 right. If someone says to me, you know, Oh, Malcolm, you're a spaghetti brain or some stupid childhood insult. Yeah. yeah. You can leave that on the table. You don't need to take that. Yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And when you're 30 years old, you, you, you have the ability to say, this person is good. This person I want to be around and this person I don't. Right. Yeah. I don't, I was using systems and this is something that I work on a lot. I've worked. It's funny. I can help other guys with this, but I was unable to help myself. You know, I, I he can save others, but he can't save himself. Yeah, yeah. No, I get you. I get, it's really funny because like, um, we're in the business of self-improvement, right? Yes. And like, Sometimes I feel like that's the problem in and of itself. Like, let me explain a little bit. So yeah. the modern man, especially like a, a, a British man, British man, a British man or a Canadian, like we have all of these pools, especially as men, like asking us to behave better, not be boorish. Like, it, you yeah. know, it's, it's feminism and rightly or wrongly, some of it needed to come in, all of the rest of it, not making a political statement, but we, I don't think there's ever been a time in history where boys and men are so under the microscopes and, and, and personally, and so yeah. like, um, just like, like looking inwards, like, am I, am I being right? Da, da, da. And the thing I, I like to say is like, look, man, there's certain things you cannot be, right? You cannot be a murderer. You cannot be a rapist. Yes. Like, we will yeah. not have it. You cannot be a bully. Like, like there's certain other things as well, right? Like you cannot be a criminal. We really don't want that. Right. Mm -hmm. But like this, like this, this forever um like look we should be improving forever but this like very critical and it's linked to like not showing masculinity as well right i mean think yeah. of like our dads or our grandparents it's like they're they're a little bit more loud they're a little bit more boorish and it's like sometimes i feel like you don't need to solve everything like if you've got like some crippling fear a crippling anxiety or you cannot get a girlfriend it's like a very well-defined problem right let me or Malcolm help you with that. But like, yeah. I don't feel like you need to just like, oh, I need to make everything better and make sure, and this is no way is yeah. that happening yeah. you or anything like that. I, no, I no, no. that as well, but it's like, I just feel like, like guys need to just like lay it up a little bit. Okay, like, look, mm -hmm. you're, if you're earning money and you're putting a roof over your own head and like you, you're in your 20s, you're striving forward, you're not a criminal, like give yourself a pat on the back and like, 
let's go yeah. easy with all the self-criticism because it's coming at us yeah. from everywhere. It's coming hard and fast for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge part of what, uh, again, I referenced no more Mr. Nice guy earlier. Um, and it's obviously a hugely popular book in, in our world. Um, that, that sort of idea of like, um, you don't need to maintain, he talks about the Teflon man and you don't need to make sure that you look perfect all the time. And this is something that a lot of guys who have approached anxiety, um, to, to cold approach or to speak with women that they see out in public that they like the look of, or there's something about that woman that they're attracted to. Yeah. Um, obviously it's important to have a framework to go and talk to her. You don't want to just like walk up and say, Oh, uh, hi. Um, having an ability to open a conversation and having an ability to speak with her and, and to let her guard down and then to close an appropriate time. That's all important. However, the, the over anxiety around even approaching um, a lot of times comes from that uh, over analysis of the self, that need to be perfect, that need to not be found out as a fraud. Um, and Glover talks about the Teflon man and how in reality, when you speak with women about these guys who are always trying to be perfect or they're always trying to protect their, their image or whatever, um, it's, it's off-putting. It's very off-putting. Yeah. In reality, yeah. like a coral reef, um, I don't know if he uses this analogy in the book, but I really like this one. Um, we want to be rough because when you're like a coral reef is very rough, right? But it yeah, gives yeah. all of the life and all of the plant life and all of the polyps and the things that are there in the ocean, something to cling on to that rockiness gives yeah. something for these things to grab onto and actually cling on and hold. And uh, the coral reef doesn't hide that it's rocky it's like totally okay with it. It's like, yeah, part of my purpose is that I'm Rocky. Yes. You know? Yeah. And that's, and that's how there's such an abundance of life. See, this is really interesting. Yes. This is why I love talking to other coaches. Cause I would disagree with you there. And this is just okay, a personal sure. method thing, right? So your model is very much more, um, I would say like sophisticated maybe than where I'm at. Obviously you've been doing this longer. Um, but I would tell a guy like, did you can yeah. go up and just say hi or not like, uh, like you can like, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll like, encourage this sort of um silliness i just want them to get out of like like i know i want them to come back eventually to like okay let's do things properly let's go and speak in english and like use sentences that make sense and like go somewhere and be leading somewhere but before we do that if you're really up in your head what i would love to do with you if you're willing to do this is me saying to the client is like just get out of your fucking head by doing anything like let's go up and like start a story in the middle of the story so it doesn't make sense yeah. Right. And like, and just I like, like be illogical, talk about like the ground, talk about like, and the reason I want you to do that is because like, eventually I'm going to smash through any sort of worry of like random person in the public. Like, look, there's some, there's loads of upsides to living in the modern world. There's some downsides. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Obviously we can, we can name all the good stuff. That yeah. <laughs> that. One of the other upsides is we don't live in 150 person tribes where all of your um, actions are like counted, like the tribe is taking Yeah, and recorded. Yeah, like you can go out, like this isn't to be go out and be a dick, but you can go out and there's a level of freedom. You're not going to run into these people again. So don't be nasty yeah. to them. But also their opinion of you it's doesn't freeing. necessarily matter. It is free. It is exactly yeah. free. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, I think that... So part of the value of, um, we were speaking before the podcast here a little bit about different types that dating coaches have sort of moved away from some of the older stereotypes of a, you know, a dating pickup artist coach, whatever. Um, part of the big value that I think a consulting type dating coach has Mm -hmm. versus someone who's like, um, uh, yeah, I won't name names, but there's lots of people who are like obsessed with getting their New York times spot or getting their Washington post spot. Um, you know, to be a columnist or to be, uh, to write their book and to just sell books and, and, you know, sign books at book tours. Um, that's a very sort of like, uh, they're a, they're a bird over the field of people, you know, and they're trying to maybe drop knowledge down onto people. Yeah. Whereas I think that the, um, and to use that word holistic again, the much more holistic idea is to have someone who's in the trenches with you. Yeah. who is there alongside you. And that's why I think it's, you know, you're going to pay more for a, a personal coach than you will go, you know, buying a book at Indigo. But the difference is, is that that coach, that person who's able to actually be there with you 
is going to be able to give you the missions, the, the challenges for you and what you actually need, because they've been there. You've been there. I've been there. I've blown up. I've blown up relationships. I've offended people in the street. I've been embarrassed. I've gone to foreign countries, but I don't speak the language. And I'm trying to talk to girls in like broken Korean, you know, and thousands of different interactions. Like, yeah, yeah, literally thousands. Like, It's insanity. If I think about it, like the number of people that I've just spoken to and it's gone nowhere (laughs) is immense. Like I say to the guys, like I have failed more times than you've tried. It's easily. You can have, you can have a of 10 people and that would still be true. You could add up all of their tries, yeah. all of their failures, all of their tries. Uh, yeah. Yes. And this was something like, I'm a, I'm a bit of a nerd and, uh, and I played Magic the Gathering for years. I was a very competitive Magic the Gathering player. <laughs> and, and I say to some of the people that I'll meet at locals, um, and I've, I've, I've prized, I've done well in very high level tournaments. Right. And it, people forget that it's like, I only have like a 53% win rate, you know? I don't win every game. I lose a lot, right? But it's that little percentage and it's the ability to play it out over an extremely large set, right? I don't play five games and then maybe I would just lose all five, right? Your win rate emerges over a long period of time. And that's why it's so important to um, have someone with you in the trenches who's able to encourage you to keep going, to encourage you to push through bad you know, things, to give you better strategies that work better for you and things like, for example, if there's a guy out there, that's, you know, a lot of guys have a lot of anxiety around approaching in public places because of the thought that um, people will notice the uh, expression of attraction towards this girl. And then they almost start to think that like the girl will reject them. Then they'll get on the bus and on the bus, there will be a man that will say, Hey, wait a minute. You're yeah. that guy that tried to talk to that girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, everyone, yeah. he tried to talk yeah. to that girl. And then they all laugh, loser. <laughs> and he pulls out his phone and records it. And then it's a yeah, yeah, yeah. live with it forever. Yeah, yeah. And your mom sees it. Everyone sees it. And, yeah. and, and God's up in heaven just like, life. fucking hell. What a, like, I created this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, part of the realization is that <laughs> you're not special. No one gives yeah. a shit about you, yeah. right? You could literally like put on a top hat and, and be nude in a downtown public park in your city and like start doing the weirdest, most offensive garbage you could possibly think of while screaming at people and pouring alcohol on yourself. Yeah. Um, you might get news coverage for like three days. It would be forgotten. Cool. It would be totally forgotten. Yeah. And And so the idea that you can even talk to like that you would, and what you're saying, like to start a story in the middle of a story. Those are really excellent. And so I'm, I'm guessing a roundabout way, I'm sort of agreeing with you, but I'm adding the caveat that um, that's where coaching comes in. Yeah. Because you can look at a person and say, for you, um, this is a strategy that we're going to try. Oh, hey, it didn't work. Okay, try this differently, right? If you're going to a therapist for, you know, five, eight years, you're being scammed. You shouldn't go to a therapist for five years. Yeah. You should go to someone for a month, two months, three months, maybe. And it should be an intensive thing. You're getting homework, you're taking action, you're doing these things in order to actually make a change. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's applying a strategy. And then, oh, that didn't work? Okay, here's a different strategy. And the idea is that you or I or any of these other people in our, in our space have a multiplicity of strategies for that person. And that's where the value comes from. And it's like, look, I mean, look, if you're a young guy listening to this or something like just um, what Malcolm's saying there about like do, making the spectacle of yourself. Look, maybe if you light yourself on fire, people are going to pay attention. Right. But it's only like if you go to a, a busy bar. Right. And you fucking shout, like just go ah, and beat your chest. Right. Yeah. People will look while you're doing it. And then they'll go back to their drinks. Do you know why I know? Because I've done it, right? Yes. Or like, yes. or you can stand up and just say something nonsense. Like there's that meme on the internet, which is like a nonsense. And it's like, have you ever been as far, even as decided to go, even once? Oh, yeah. More like, that yeah. Thing, like me and my buddies had a bit of a time where we were like, we were in Iceland and we would just like stand up, just be like, <laughs> the bar of like 30 people and just like, excuse me, excuse me, we need everyone's attention. And then have just say that. Have you ever been and you, and you want and you could when you. <laughs> and I'm standing on a chair and like, I make sure it's silent before I start. 
I'm like, shh, yeah. shh. And my friend is like, shh, shh, And everyone does it. And, do, and they're just like, uh, uh, and then they just go back to their drink. Like, oh, it's dude, like, I love that, it. But, that, but I love that stuff as well. And again, it's freeing. And it's like, and the, and the student might hear that and just go, I'm not fucking doing that. That sounds ridiculous. Yeah. And it's like, dude, the- okay, but then why? But then why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where, the, that's where the question has to come up is why are you not willing to do something like that, right? Yeah. In their video games, they're willing to type whatever the hell they want in the chat box, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is that any less real than standing up on a bar and talking about it? Oh, well, you know, and they come up with all these weird rationalizations, but it's like, you can do whatever you want in life. Yeah. You don't have to like play by some rule set that you got when you were 10 or 12 years old. Um, if you want to leave your city and go become a dive instructor in the Philippines, go do that. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. don't need to worry about like, oh, but what if and all these different situations and it plagues, you know, intelligent guys like us. It plagues us because we're able to simulate all of these possible outcomes of if you stand up on a chair in a bar, right? And I did this when I was in university. I did similar things to you as um, a friend of mine used, used to go out, you know, sarging, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> as we that. used to call it in yeah, the yeah, your days that. of the pickup world. Um, yeah. Is like, you used to walk up to girls and try and open a set with like the strangest line you could possibly think of and then yeah. try to salvage the set. And my friend used to give me lines, right? Um, hey, do you poop out of that butt? Hey, you know, <laughs> I, are you a pirate? You know, because you have a sunken chest. Or like stuff like this. Um, yeah. And just being like as outlandish and rude and, and brash and abrasive as possible. Even those, even those are like, there's an element of sense. Like, I want to take sense out of it. It's just like all like humor. It's like, yes. like me and my buddy, like we came up with one, which is like, um, it's like, do you believe in the internet? And it's like, yeah, yeah. what do you mean? What is that as a question? And it's like, yeah. but then just start from there. Well, and do you? That. Yeah, like, I don't know, man. Like, I, <laughs> I'm unconvinced currently. Like, it yeah. might be. But, but it's like, yeah, it's, it's just freeing and it's just showing you like, A, people don't care about you as much as you think they do. B, yeah. you can come back from like this stuff here that we're talking about, like saying the weird thing, it's unbelievably minor. Like you could yeah. like, you could do that. You could beat your chest in a bar, then go over to the next girl that you thought was cute and to have a conversation with her. And she goes, what were you just doing over there? And you'd just be like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah I, just, I thought it was funny. And then just uh, move on and that'd be it. Yeah. She won't even yeah. pay attention to it anymore. Like, yeah. it's honest, it's, it's crazy. I've got one more thing I'd like to ask you, Malcolm, um, yeah. all the time, because I think this would be a great combo. Combo. <laughs> um, is when, have you had a situation where, because um, it's it's pertinent to, to something I'm doing now, but do you have ever had a situation where you just thought this was too much for me? Like, as in the, a chap comes to your client and it's just, their issues are just a bit too serious for, um, for a life coach. Like, I not think that, no, no, I understand. Um, so there's within the Elevate Dating Blueprint, there's three components. There's basically a personal brand rebuild where you start to look at yourself and figure out what works and what doesn't. And it's, again, as we spoke about earlier, having a coach to come alongside you um, to see you without your ego, without your pride, without all your defenses and say, this is my perception of you. This is what we need to change um, is very valuable. So um, with that component, for example, um, there are certain guys that I would look at and I would on both ends of the spectrum, actually, um, and say a, a younger version of me, I think, was a little bit insecure and would say like, Ooh, this guy, you know, I don't know if I can help him. You know, there might be like actual physiological problems here. Maybe he has Asperger's, maybe he's autistic. Um, yeah. style is not something that he can simulate. Um, and even on the flip side, if I talked to, I had a uh, guy that I worked with for quite a while, actually, and we became quite good friends who was a male model. Yeah. Um, he had no issue with style. He was featured on lookbook.nu. He was very stylish, probably more stylish than me. And I think that I'm a stylish guy. Um, Definitely. On both, on both sides of the spectrum there, um, I, my insecurities show up but it's important for me to be able to look at those insecurities and say well why are you insecure and the reality was is because i didn't want to um fail this person i didn't want them to leave the elevate dating blueprint without without being able to say at the end of it wow i actually took this has sent ripples through my life this has changed my perception of reality this has sent um 
for, and you know, and I will teach this to my children and I will push this forward into reality for myself. And so at each component, like the second component is to, is to meet new people. It's the connection creation framework. It's to um, put yourself out there. And again, guys who are very shy, very introverted, um, they will have all of these defenses that they will put up to resist um, change. And so part of, you know, giving them a framework and, and even the most introverted guys, it's funny, even the most introverted guys come to me and say like, you know, it feels so natural. It feels very easy using this sort of style of, of uh, speaking with people, which is old. It's something I've learned from my grandmother, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, just the ability to just connect and to hear people and to hear what they want, you know, and how you can facilitate their needs and their, maybe this person really wants a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Maybe she just wants friends, but being able to be out of your head, hear them and hear what they want and fulfill those needs is very powerful. And it makes you the giver in that situation. But a lot of times guys who are all sense that they're very closed up, they're very in on themselves. And I, and again, I'm, I'm worried that I won't be able to get them out of their shell. I won't be able to get their, their, um, and that I will fail them almost, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the third piece, which is something that I get the most insecure about, which is, um, the social circle blueprint, which is to basically say right now, especially with um, the bug that's going around the world, um, we can't say the word because we get pulled off of YouTube or demonetized or censored for it. Ah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, the we all know what we're talking about when we say the bug. Yeah. But yeah. Um, that and the responses that a lot of governments have had to that uh, have imploded social circles. And people have become depressed. They've become, their anxiety has, has risen. Um, I was reading an article the other day that I posted onto my Facebook um, about the suicide rate in Calgary here in Canada um, yeah. amongst young people is, is growing very, very rapidly and alarmingly so. Right. I, I meet people who are so closed up, so in on themselves, so um, you know, in pain that for them to even take the first action, I wonder like, geez, am I going to be able to help this person? You know? Yeah. Um, but, but every single time, and this is important for every walk of life is that when we have those fears, when we have those worries that we're not going, that we're going to fail people, or even that we're going to be found out as a fraud or that, you know, people will find out that, Oh, Malcolm, you don't know what you're talking about or something like this, which every coach, every consultant, every fortune 500 CEO, whoever, has this imposter syndrome at times and you have to realize that we're all no one knows what they're doing we're doing the best that we can we all make mistakes we all are gonna screw up at times you know you'll you'll approach a woman and you'll say something stupid and she'll get offended that's fine you know you don't need to be perfect It it goes back to this teflon man thing of like i don't need to defend myself all the time and make sure that I'm always doing the right thing. And I'm always making sure everyone's good. And, you know, and, Oh, you're a little too autistic. I can't work with you. Or, Oh, you know, you're a previous dating. Like I've worked with guys that are other dating coaches that are much older than me that have been on, you know, very high performers. And, and I always think about it in my mind is like, even Usain Bolt has a coach. There is always a value to someone else's perspective. There's always a value to that. And so I have to remind myself that like, you may not solve every person's need in exactly the way that they believe it, it is needed. But if you're willing to show up, you're willing to listen to them and you're willing to work with them, you can at least improve things. And if the other person is willing to work on themselves and improve as well, then that's a win-win, you know? And then my need for meaning and my need for purpose is fulfilled. Um, but it's that vulnerability is very frightening sometimes. I'll absolutely admit to that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is. It is. And it's a fascinating case because obviously like, you can meet guys who like, um, we're used to dealing with guys who are, have an anxiety issue or they come from a very yes. tough childhood, all of the rest of it. They, they were yeah. bullied, maybe. But I mean, if, you've, if, if someone's having maybe like severe panic attacks um, yes. in their home, say, or, or obviously things like epilepsy or something, like there are stuff that like, but you're right. In, in general terms, if they've got a problem which is within this scope, uh, I, I think that's and that was a nice little bit of advice for me. And I'll, I'll take that on board. Matt, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, well, it's 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 important because everyone, especially as you start to have more people rely on you. This is something the more my program grew and the more that, you know, I did a lot of um, like hourly coaching before. Yeah. And 
the more I've started to build myself online and the more you, and you as well, you know, with your, with your podcast and with all the different things that you do, um, the more the public eye is turned on you, the more you can start to, again, go into that receding from life, that limiting mind, yeah. or you can push into it and see it as an opportunity of like, look, people are starting to resonate with what I say. This is connecting with people, you know, and it's, it's the framing of how you frame it in your mind that is ultimately what will create your reality. I, I think that's very well said, man. I, I really like that. Listen, um, I think that's a great place uh, to call it. We've we've yeah. talked a lot, and it's it's fascinating talking to you, man. Like, clearly, we're we're very interested in similar sort of topics. Can yes, you tell the guys again one more time where to find you? And um, so the best place to find me is on Facebook, uh, yeah. Malcolm Bell. Um, but if you can't find me on there, then uh, datingcoachkitchener.com is my website right now. Yeah. Um, that's sort of a relic of when I did all local and one-on-one coaching uh, for like hourly stuff. So I think I'll probably make a new website in the future, but um, that's where you find me for now. Hopefully the Elevate Dating Blueprint will start to rank on its own (laughs) on Google search terms. So you can start find me there, but I'm most active on Facebook. Awesome. And you're clearly very analytical guy. Know what you're talking about. I checked out Elevate Dating Blueprint. It looks the shit. I I, I looked at it for about two minutes. It looks really, really crisp. Yeah, it's really all about, um, I just want to say like, yeah, yeah, please. It's, I, think it, I think it's something that has grown really rapidly, faster than I expected, because it's a departure from the pickup artist, um, sort of like this, just getting girls. Yeah. Um, it's also a more holistic, I love that word, I'm using it all the time now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's a more holistic sense of like, what is it to be a social person in the world? You can't have a girlfriend if you don't have girlfriends, right? Um it's not all about me and mine and getting, you know, I want more girls to have sex with. It's like, okay, but that's a very like self uh, it's valid. Sure. And guys can genuinely want that, but you have to start to expand beyond that. You have to build a social circle where other people in your life are winning because when you're at the center of something that's bigger than you, that um, will elevate you to a much, much higher level. And the idea is to stop playing in bronze league, you know, to use a video game analogy um, stop playing in bronze league. Let's get you playing in diamond or, or gold. You know, that's the, that's the life that we want to be on. Not like playing in the dirt, you know, fighting in the shit pile. Let's play on a higher level. Nice. Nice. I like how you like, uh, yeah, you dumbed it down for me. Like, <laughs> <Duh. laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, no. All right. Well, look, we'll get our shit together. We'll play video games. We'll play. The magic. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll do it. No, honestly, thank you very much, man. Really important. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me.